Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you you don't mom alone. In this episode number 247, I have the privilege of inviting on Jan Langbein. She is the CEO of the Genesis Women's Shelter and Support here in Dallas, Texas. If it feels abusive to her, it is. Yeah. When we talk about, um, she's trying to decide uh, what to do. Yeah. Um, He has told her three things. No one will believe you, no one will hear you, and no one will help you. Even the way we respond in our shock and awe can sometimes reaffirm it's her fault. Um, Instead of saying, you know, what did you do? What did you do to get that black eye? She didn't do anything. She was just standing there, right? Um, so we need to start asking the questions in the right way. So that that's sort of first and foremost, So what are right? the questions in the right way? Say, you know, uh, tell me why it is you have a black eye. Or that sounds very scary to me. She doesn't want you to fix it. She doesn't look to you as she emails you uh, to solve it. She just needs some direction. First of all, say, I am very scared for you. I believe absolutely what you say. I heard this old woman go on and on about how it's one out of, I normalize it for her. It's one out of every three women. You are not alone in this and there is help and hope. That's the main thing. I believe you, there is help, there is hope. For more than 20 years, Jan has been an activist in efforts to end violence against women and children. She's received countless awards. She's served faithfully at the Genesis Women's Shelter and Support here in Dallas, Texas. And today she is coming on the show to help us identify if there is abuse in our own life and in our friends, how to respond to a friend in an abusive relationship. She gives us a fabulous framework, Prochaska's trans theoretical model. It involves stages of change and helps us figure out at what point in the change process do we find ourselves or our friend. It's super helpful no matter what behavior or situation you're dealing with a friend, I think that that framework is going to help all of us to know how to help best. She also is going to help us work together towards ending and preventing violence, especially in faith communities. Now, I know last week's episode and this week's episode, they're really heavy and it's hard, but given the statistics that Jan shares, and even in my own life, the friends that I know, this is not uncommon. And if we're not going to mom alone, and if we're going to be a community that is for each other, I think it's super helpful that we know what to do so we don't do nothing. I also know that because of the statistics, you may be listening, and this could really be hard to hear and triggering. I also know that as a faith community, we are constantly holding that tension of honoring the covenant of marriage and also recognizing that God never intends for a loving spouse to treat another spouse in the way that some spouses are being treated. So my hope in every episode I present is that we are each individually seeking God's heart for our lives seeking his guidance on what are our next steps and trusting him in his timetable that it may be a slow, faithful walk and let him work out what's going on. It may be that we are out of fear, not taking action to trust him with the future, our kids' future and with our future. So I get that this is a hard conversation and maybe it's after five years of recording episodes, I'm a little more comfortable with dealing with hard conversations because I think they matter most. But I thank you for trusting me. Um, We definitely give the hotlines again if you are in a situation where you need immediate help. At the end of the show, I will be praying over us. All right, let's get to my chat with Jan. Here we go. Hey, Jan, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Uh, I'm so excited to be here, Heather. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such an honor. I'm We just heard last week from a sweet mom friend of mine who left an abusive marriage, and we heard her testimony and the untangling of her emotions and her beliefs in that. And so I'm thankful to have you and to hear your story and the work that you do. So would you start with that? Sure. First of all, I love the word untangling. That is so much of what we see at Genesis Women's Shelter and support every single day. Just it's so complex, this issue. There is no easy answer. So I'm glad we're taking time to talk about it. Um, So how I got involved in this is 
truly, to be real honest, it's just a God thing. Um, I am not from abuse. I, I didn't think about it. If I did think about it, I was sure it probably happened to someone else, not someone who lives where I live or went to school where I went or has the color of my skin or worships where I worship. Um, I thought it had to be just someone else. And as it turns out, everybody thinks it's probably someone else because it, it helps us not think what if that were me? So basically, I am a member, a sustaining member of the Junior League of Dallas. And if you're familiar with that organization, you have to do so many volunteer hours a, a year. Um, and I, I was in it for the minimum. I got to tell you, I have a theory of major leaguers and minor leaguers. And I was definitely in the minor leagues. I sat in the back and went to my minimum number of meetings and kind of did my grocery list during during the meeting and thought, yeah, those major leaguers up there, that's just not me. I don't know what I could contribute even if I wanted to. I, I hear, I heard stories of women like Ruth Altshuler and, you know, Laura Bush is a char, is a member of the Junior League of Dallas. And I thought these great women who have done these amazing things, but you know, that's, that's not me. And as it turns out, I was um, on my way to sign up for the next year's uh, volunteer placement. And I'd gone through the brochure and looked for the easy way out. I'm using air quotes, the easy way out. Yeah. And I feel like if you want to make God laugh, look for the easy way out in life because that doesn't work. And so I was heading to Junior League to sign up for this. And I don't even remember what it was, but um, I had actually broken one of my little Junior League acrylic fingernails. And I thought, <laughs> well, I want to do good in the community, but I think my nails ought to look nice. So I whipped into this salon. And um, as I was waiting to get my nails done, a magazine just sort of slid in my lap. And on the front, it said, every nine seconds in this country, a woman is assaulted. And I thought, well, no one who lives where I live or right in our little things, absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. wherever that bubble is yeah. exactly yeah. and I uh, it said one out of every three women will know one out of every three now count it off in your faith community in your grocery store in your workplace one out of every three uh, will know violence on an ongoing basis sometime in their lives and it talked about domestic violence being the leading cause of injury to women in the United States and I read the article that it referred to off the cover and it was about a woman who she was professional I think maybe she she was a dentist and he was a lawyer or vice versa. And he beat her because dinner was late. And I, I have to tell you, Heather, I was just offended. I guess that is my response to it. I'm just offended. Story longer, I guess, is that I did get my nails fixed. But by the time I got to sign up for that next volunteer placement, I went through the brochure and I found violence intervention. Uh, I opened the book and stuck my finger down on Genesis Women's Shelter. I'd never heard of Genesis, but that's where what I saw, and that's what it said, and so off I went, right? Um, when I got down there, again, I was stunned. I thought women wouldn't look like me. I didn't know their children would look like mine, and they do. I started volunteering, and I made Kool-Aid on Tuesday mornings, and I was the Tuesday afternoon hotline volunteer, and ended up being on the board as a non-voting member representing Junior League, and one day the president of the board came and said, we need new leadership. She needs to be able to work the crowd and raise money. And out of my mouth shoots, oh my gosh, I think that's me. <laughs> now, I, I look back on that time, and I think there is no reason in the world I should have even mumbled anything, because I had never managed a staff. I had never read a financial statement. I'd never hired or fired. And I could sit here and list all the reasons 28 years ago they should not have hired me, but they did. I didn't come with, to Genesis with a grandmaster strategic plan. Well, like, even like right now, I don't think I'd interview me if I had an opening for my job, if that even makes sense. <laughs> there would be no reason in the world. Yeah. Anyway. But that's who uh, he but uses. I did. That's, that's who God uses. That's how it worked. The, the willing and the underqualified. This is exactly how <laughs> yeah. it worked. The willing and the un underqualified. Yeah. And so I got down here, and I, again, I didn't have this master plan, but I, I started looking around thinking, and I think we all should do this. What is a roadblock that keeps another woman from leading or achieving? What is a roadblock that keeps her from being the fullest and li living the fullest life she can possibly live? So I thought, well, you know, if she doesn't have care for her children, then she can't go get a job. Um, and so we put childcare on site. Um, well, if she can't, she can't go get a job. If she's not safe on the job without a protective order and without a lawyer, she can't get a protective order. And so we put legal, a legal clinic on site and we put a school on site and we put advocacy on site. Uh, we put master's level therapists who maybe for the first time in her whole life, she gets to tell 
what has happened to her. Not what's wrong with her, but what has happened to her. And so little by little by little, we just continue to remove roadblocks. And I still wake up in the night and think, oh, what about deaf women? Or, oh my gosh, what about later life women who are have been in a 55-year marriage and has suffered the entire time? What are her alternatives and what can we do to support her? So bottom line, I, it's blink of an eye, and here we are 28 years later, but um, it, it totally was, I think, I really do a God thing. And I think Genesis Women's Shelter and Support is blessed, and I think it's blessed because we are doing what it is we've been asked to do. Mm. Treat people with dignity and respect. Be there when that phone call uh, rings. Open the doors and open our hearts to somebody who says, maybe it's not just that my marriage is troubled, maybe it's abusive. And so uh, we are specialists in the field. We have, uh, part of our mission statement is to actually raise the level of awareness in the community regarding the um, pervasiveness and the effects, not just the effects on the victim, but also on her children. Mm -hmm. We know that children raised in a violent home uh, are receiving on-the-job training to be tomorrow's abusers, to be tomorrow's victims. We hear women say the number one reason she stays is because of her children. We also hear the number one reason she tries to leave is because of her children. Yeah. So the yeah. children we know make a huge impact on, on this on this life situation. I have 20 million questions hitting my brain Come on, at the let's do this. same time because... I get the emails. I've actually received messages in the last few months uh, catalyzing this conversation to happen on um, women, almost like a confessional. They don't know me. Right. I'm not in their community. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. Yeah. I, I think my husband's abusing me. Uh-huh. I don't know what to do. I can't seek help in my faith community. Right. I can't go anywhere. They don't feel like they can tell anyone. They don't feel like they have any choices and I was thrilled when I reached out my, to my friend Haley who used yes. to work here and connected me with you when I said are there free services it was literally every the roadblock scenario right. are right. there free services because right. I didn't want her to have to pay out of pocket that would be another that would be a roadblock right. yes there's child care while she's receiving services yes. there there's a place for her to stay yes yes, yes. and so I mean every scenario Everything. I could think of and yes. so I was able to hand this woman it was helpful for me but if you are talking to that woman right and she's trying to decide let's say she's bought into the fact that there is abuse right how do we know what to do if 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 it is or it isn't if it, like like it, if she's telling me how do i respond it feels like, if it feels abusive to her it is yeah let's back up uh though when we talk about um she's trying to decide uh, what to do. Yeah. Um, he has told her that no three things, no one will believe you, no one will hear you, and no one will help you. Whether he said it out loud, he said he it He said it a hundred times out loud, and he said it non-verbally yeah. a thousand ways. Nobody's going to help you. And unfortunately, sometimes this is their experience with, with society, that we reaffirm that by the police not responding or the jury not finding him guilty. Or I told my girlfriend, and she says, oh my gosh, I'm so surprised. He seems like such a nice guy. Even the way we respond in our shock and awe can sometimes reaffirm it's her fault. Um, Instead of saying, you know, what did you do? What did you do to get that black eye? Um, she didn't do anything. She was just standing there, right? Mm. Um, so we need to start asking the questions in the right way. So that that's sort of first and foremost, So what are right? the questions in the right way? Say, you know, uh, tell me why it is you have a black eye. Or that sounds very scary to me. She, she doesn't want you to fix it. She doesn't look to you as she emails you uh, to solve it. She just mm. needs some direction. First of all, say, I am very scared for you. I believe absolutely what you say. I heard this old woman go on and on about how it's one out of, I'd normalize it for her. It's one out of every three women. You are not alone in this and there is help and hope. That's the main thing. I believe you, there is help, there is hope. And a place like Genesis Women's Shelter and Support, and I know your listeners go way out. Oh, yeah, um, around and the we globe. Can, yeah, but, and yeah. so we've got a national domestic violence hotline for you for sure. But with regards to Genesis, all it takes is a phone call and all of those questions just sort of melt away. Mm-hmm. Yes, we. if residential services is what she needs, 
needs? We absolutely have secret location, confidential hotline for someone to come and, and stay with her children at no cost, no strings attached. Now, maybe mom is not ready to take that huge leap of faith yeah. into the unknown of how will I support them and how will I, how can I explain it to them and what does some place like this look like? Because the image they have is is not what it is. Uh, it's so imaginative and oh futuristic. My gosh. There's no a, grace there it, yet. It, it, you have you yes, walk into yes, that. Yes, that's grace. exactly right. That's exactly that right. Grace, yeah. But if I envision it as looking like the Superdome after Katrina, I'm not going to take my no. children there. So what we do to try to remove that roadblock is um, Amy Writings, my director of communications, does a beautiful job of social media. Take a look at what this place looks like. Um, and again, we have that if that's what she needs. Um, we also have at our non-residential component, we recognize that uh, only about five or six percent of the battered population will ever seek shelter. Most women try to do it on their own. I went to my mom and dad's house, or I went to my cousin's house, or they're I, supported in they're some somehow, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's not enough. Housing is not the only issue. You need these wraparound services. So if that is the case, we have the non-residential services. Again, no cost, no strings attached. Even if she comes from the most affluent areas of our city, she usually has no access to money. And even if she has access to money, she's having to account for it. Again, another roadblock we are removing. We rely on this community to help us support that. She can come here from 9 in the morning till 9 at night. It's very much a feel of a doctor's office. But our specialty is not orthopedics. Our specialty is not, you know, internal medicine. Our specialty basically is a broken heart. Um, And we have master's level therapists using cutting edge techniques for moms and for the kids, cutting edge clinical techniques. Um, And and I want to kind of describe that if I can take a minute to do that. Historically, agencies like ours or practices like ours operated off what's called a medical model, much like you go to a doctor's office. The doctor says, what's what's wrong with you? The symptoms. The symptoms. And you say, I cry and I can't sleep and I um, have, I'm triggered by smells and sounds. Um, and I'm, I'm sad all the time. And he says, fine, take this pill and you'll be better. That's a medical model. Or how we used to operate, come to Genesis, we'll get you a job, we'll get you a house, we'll get you uh, um, you know, a, a gift card and a food basket, and then you'll be better. But what we know is those things are critical, but they do not address the trauma that she's experienced, the emotional piece of this, the damage, the emotional damage of this. And so now, instead of saying what's wrong with you, uh, we see a woman come to us who can't eat, can't sleep, cries all the time, is triggered by sounds and smells, and we say, what's happened to you? And we walk beside her in this process of healing um, and using the best, as I say, the best techniques, the clinical uh, techniques to address the trauma that she and her children have experienced. And so the children also can receive treatment. To me, the kiddos are the true victims of all of this. These kiddos, for them, their nightmares begin long before they ever go to sleep. Uh, They have seen and heard things and been touched in ways that no children should ever be touched. Someone who abuses his wife abuses his children. That can be physically or that can be verbally, but make no mistake, the impact is is very real. Uh, Even the witnessing child actually has often the same uh, physiological issues. Um, Obesity or eating disorders or asthma is a huge issue, a psychosomatic issue that comes up with kids who are raised in a violent home. We want our kids to be successful in school and in life and in their relationships, but how can they if there is no model of a normal relationship? And so often moms just will hear that and keep trying harder and harder to be a better mom. But the truth is, this abuse isn't going to stop until the abuser stops abusing. And there's nothing mom can do to stop that. Moving out doesn't make him a gentleman. Moving across town doesn't make him a gentleman. We as a society can't just leave this on the steps of the, of the uh, victim. We need to hold the perpetrators accountable. You know, I hear so often, you know, in faith communities, we need to support her, but also support him and forgive and forget. I got news. Forgive and forget Shakespeare. Forgive and hold accountable is something else. And I think faith communities, and men particularly in general, need to be more than as a gender the problem and can be part of the solution. If one-third of all women are being abused physically or emotionally, then one-third of most guys are doing it, which means two-thirds are not. So it's not okay for those two-thirds of all gentle men just to refrain from the abuse. They need to step up and say, you know what, I don't shake your hand because I don't like how you treat your wife. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think that was cool what you just said to your partner or whatever. Um, and by the way, I refer to she as the victim and he as the perpetrator for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, 95% of the battered population, that is the case. Uh, but also at Genesis, that's all with whom that's we your work. Focus. That's, that's our your focus. focus. Right. And we're not denying but that. But I do can know go that the there are way. men who are battered by yeah. women, by same gender partners. Uh, but I, I just say he that's is your the, focus. Yeah. 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 So we just talked about the woman who believes she's being abused and either reaches out for help or is considering help. In my case, in people I've known, um, it's often that that they may say they're having a hard time in their marriage and they may share that. But if I say, are they abusing you or or, are you safe, might be the better question. Do you feel safe? They'd say, well, he says some mean things, but he's only hit me once or shares some examples. And I, as a friend, am questioning, is that severe enough to seek out help or not? And so help the person listening who's in that scenario, who's wondering, what's my role in that? Because I can't convince her that she needs to pursue help. Then I'm feeling the burden. What do I do with that? So let me tell you a story. There's a, uh, in one of the very affluent parts of Dallas, um, there was a woman who I was very concerned about. So I went to the police station in the neighborhood and I said, will you please do extra drive-bys and make sure she's safe? Because I think this guy has some real, he goes, then the police officer said, you know, that's funny. We got called out to the house the other day. And when I got there, this police officer said, they were fighting in the front yard because she was having... Uh, her book club that afternoon and the yard men, the yard crew were fixing to come and the husband wanted the yard scalped because it was the time of the year or he just wanted it because he wanted it and she kept saying but it's going to look so tacky when my guests come can we do it tomorrow or next week and um, you know the police officer listened to this dialogue going back and forth and I said what did you do and he said uh, well I pulled away I mean what am I supposed to do about all that I don't know if the yard ought to be scalped and I said listen to what you just said I ask you the question, when do I call the police? Not when I want landscaping advice. When do I call the police? When I'm afraid. And that's kind of the benchmark. Are you ever afraid of this person? He only hits you once. Are you afraid that he will do that again? And I can tell you if he did once, he will do it again. Maybe not now, maybe not six months from now, maybe a year from now. But we know this there's a pattern to this behavior that's cyclical. Um, so how do we, you're, you're absolutely right. It has to be her choice. It has to be her decision. But I think we can also fill her pockets full of helping her define what is abusive. So I often, um, I, I uh, testify a lot on, um, as an experiential expert witness in court cases. And usually the defense attorney will be like, okay, Ms. Langbein, you know, are, are, don't people argue, when does it become abusive, right? And that's very hard to define until I read a particular book um, that helped me understand what is verbal and emotional abuse, which always precedes the physical, right? Uh, you don't hit somebody you have equal respect for right. or have equal relationship with. Um, so anyway, this uh, book gave examples of, you know, my husband and I, for example, may fight about he wants a second dog and I don't want a second dog. And he says, what well, keeps the first dog company? And I said, I don't care. It's twice the poop <laughs> in the backyard. And he's like, right. what do you care? You don't pick up the poop. That has a start and it has a finish. We either get a dog or we don't. And, you know, he has an opinion and I have opinion. We come to some conclusion, but it's about something. It's about a dog. If you take a different scenario where, you know, let's say uh, my husband and I are driving to Houston to see my amazing grandchildren, and I know he doesn't like to stop, and so I'm in this turmoil of I packed his clothes, I'm ready an hour before he gets home from work, I have packed sandwiches in the car because he doesn't even like to stop to eat, I've changed the radio station from classical to, you know, country, what he likes to listen to, and I'm waiting in the car when he pulls up, and everything's going fine, right, until we get about an hour out of Dallas, and I see the low fuel light blinking and I'm thinking oh my gosh oh my gosh he's gonna lose it and he get you know he starts yelling at me at that point you stupid you're lazy you're ugly you have no idea what it's like to work in the world I ask you to do one thing and that's get us ready and it goes on and on I'm like look but look there's a shell station right there and he shoves in his card and it doesn't read he pulls it out too fast now he's cursing at the machine and he's cursing at the kid who works there and he gets back in the car and I'm thinking I'm in such trouble. and that You're, the, you're afraid. I'm afraid. I'm yeah. afraid. And the deal is, it goes on and on about how stupid I am and worthless I am and no one else would have me. It's not about a gas pump that you pull the card out too fast. It's the slurs against me that make it abusive. Mm. It's This over here was about a dog. 
this over here is about how stupid I am, right? Mm. So there is this gaslighting where there's this um, slide of hand that takes the abuse off of him and puts it on her. It is her fault. She didn't pump the gas, and it goes on and on about how worthless she is. And if I'm told that enough, it's called uh, cognitive distortion. We all know that 2 plus 2 is 4. We know it because someone in authority told us 2 plus 2 is 4, a parent, a teacher. Then they gave us 100 examples, 2 beans plus 2 more beans is 4 beans. But if I'm told again and again that 2 plus 2 is 5, 2 plus 2 is 5, and I'm given 100 examples, you didn't fill up the car, you can't make rice like my mom, you uh, aren't a good mother, the kids weren't in bed on time, uh, on and on and on, then I come to believe that 2 plus 2 is Mm 5. And other friends can say to me, no, Jan, it's four. it's four. What's the matter with you? Mm-hmm. And I'm so convinced. It's like if you've ever known anyone with, say, um, an eating disorder, and you look at them and they are starving to death. When they look in the mirror, what do they see? Fat. Fat. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 it's not fat. Look at you. Your, mm-hmm. your clothes are falling off of you. But she physically sees fat in the mirror. Um, and so that that's what happens to someone who's living in this. It's so complex. I go back to detangling. What did you say? Untangling. Untangling, untangling yeah. that. Yeah. And so if she's in that place and she doesn't believe us, it feels a little hopeless as a friend. Well, for watching. right now, this minute. Yeah. So that's the thing. We can't give up. It's yeah. very hard being friends and family of someone who's in it because it's as if they are overcome by smoke. We see the house burning down, yeah. but they're tripping around in a house filled with smoke. So you say things like, you know what, when you are ready to talk about this, know that I'm going to be here for you. When you do feel like you're ready for some resources, I- I'll have them for you. Have you ever thought about what this does to your kiddos? How can we move her to that next stage of healing by saying things that, uh, first of all, if I say, fine, I'm done with you. Well, that's what he told her. Right. You're, you're, actually, you're reinforcing yeah, that. Absolutely. So we don't give up. It may not be today. It may be, you know, I remember you said he's going to do this again, and he did, even though he promised he wouldn't. Or I remember that you said. And so, it may, you know, it may, it may be... Setting boundaries with yes. her helpful or not helpful? Like, um, what's too far for you? That's what we... Oh, you mean as a friend? Like, as a friend to say, okay, so that happened, but... Yeah. Is there a line when it's too far for you and helping her process yes. boundaries? Unfortunately, it is. And that's the hard part it's about un- it. It's not okay for me to do that. Or it is okay. I say no. Don't okay. set those. Ba- well, you have to protect yourself. Because right. if you think about it, let me give you another example that I, that I think about a lot. Let's say I have a diagnosis of breast cancer and you're my best friend. I get this diagnosis. I come straight to your house. We cry all night long, mm. and then we get we start drinking some wine, <laughs> and we get on the internet, and we start looking at okay, this doctor, this surgeon, this procedure. We get a this, plan. In we place. get a plan in place. Yeah. But what happens in this? My life. It looks like to me it's over. I come to your house. I tell you he's hit me. He's hurt the children. I cry. We drink some wine. We go online. But you know what? I'm back with him the next day. And rather than get my hopes up that I've made a difference here, it has to be at her pace. So the next day I say, you know what, I've saved those resources, and I know this is a process, because the abuse was a process, so is the leaving, if that's her ultimate goal. Protecting herself in this in this relationship um, is my ultimate goal, and I'm going to be here when you're ready to mm-hmm. talk about it. Now, she may say, you need to mind your own business. You said terrible things about him. That's okay, too. You know what? She that's may okay. hurt people, hurt people yeah. is the classic. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's, we have to put on our big girl panties. You and, do. Yeah, you have yeah. to. You may lose a friend, but you know what? If you don't say something, if you give up on her, you literally can lose a friend. I think it's helpful, too, to um, offer the thing specifically, like, yeah. you are welcome in my home with your children. You are welcome to use my car. You are, yep. I, I will pay give you for money. your, I will pay for your gas to give these I will loan you a car. Yeah. Yes. Uh, having someone come to your house and stay, it could be very dangerous for you because that's right. a dangerous time for her, but I will give you money for a hotel. Mm. Let her know the things like we were talking about the roadblocks before. Yeah. So I want to share with you when I gave you uh, an example of trying to get her to the next stage. There's a study by a guy named Prochesca. It's called the Transtheoretical Model of Change. And he says, if you want to change anything in your life, there are five distinct stages, pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. Now, um, if you want to lose weight, if you want to speak French, you go through these five stages of change relatively. So his study talked about the cessation of smoking. Uh, I'm going to talk about exercise because 
I don't smoke, but I also don't exercise. But at least I get the concept of exercising. I don't understand smoking. So I'm in pre-contemplation. I don't exercise. I don't do it. I don't think about it. I I don't think I'd like to do it. But I don't think about it, although I huff and puff going up a flight of stairs. I'm, I'm winded and I, you know, whatever. So I get to contemplation where I think, I wonder what it would be like if I could just order my jeans online. Or I wonder what it would be like if I, I didn't huff and puff going up a flight of stairs. Preparation is I'm fixing to exercise. I called my friend Lori. I got her trainer's number. I bought a cute outfit at Kohl's on sale. I'm fixing to exercise. Action is I actually did go to the trainer, but it made my knees hurt. And so what did I do? I quit. And maintenance is where my husband is with exercise. He is an exerciser for life. He's in good shape for an older guy. And he's just, you know, he's doing great. So let's think in terms of these abusive relationships. As a friend, Mm -hmm. if I am in pre-contemplation, well, even with exercise, if you say, hey, Jan, I'm worried about you. Heart attacks are the number one killer of women your age. I'm going to come down and I'm going to get you at 4.30 in the morning. We're going to go down to uh, American Airlines where they're doing boot camp and we're going to exercise, right? Yeah. Well, I hear your mouth moving, but I don't know what you're saying. First of all, anything called boot camp can't be good. No. And right. 4.30 in the morning, that's not an option you're either. not even speaking my language. But yeah. think about this. Yeah. If you go because you care so much about me and you want this so badly for me that I go with you, you've actually set me up for failure because I can't go up a flight of stairs and you're expecting me to do this. So now I feel like a bigger loser, right? So what do you do to help me move into contemplation? You come over and you say, you know what? I'm going to come over tonight. Let's walk around the block. Then we come back and drink some wine or something. And then the next night we walk around two blocks. And then, but I'm, we're chatting and I, I love being with you. And all of a sudden I'm exercising. Look at me. I've walked around two blocks and then maybe we go for a run or then maybe we do something else. So that has moved me through these stages of change without setting me up for failure. So if you have a friend, let's, all right, so let's talk about preparation. What does that look like with regards to a violent relationship? If, if I want to get her from contemplation to preparation, like I say... She's thinking about it. She's recognizing Have you ever issue. thought about? Have, yeah. Do you know what this impact is on your kids? Mm-hmm. I heard of a place called Genesis Women's Shelter, genesisshelter.org, where you can go on. It's anonymous. It's free. You can get more information about, is this abuse? Um, and so maybe we get her into preparation. Now, preparation may be she needs to save some money or put some back or ask her friends to help her. It may be I need my kids just a little bit older or I need to... Uh, he, he wouldn't allow me to finish my degree, and maybe now I can, and that would set me up. So whatever her preparation is, is her preparation. Mm-hmm. Going online to see it is against the law, that he's not supposed to have guns in the house if he's been convicted. There are places like Genesis. Action doesn't just mean she went to a shelter or came to your house. Action means she can name it and claim it that this is not her fault. It's not about the fact that the coffee wasn't fresh or dinner is late or I'm not here tonight and he has to bathe the kids. Maintenance, I got to tell you, Heather's really, really, really hard to get to in that relationship Mm -hmm. because all of this has been working for him. Why would he change his behavior? Um, And I I do want to talk about not can he change, but will he change? But if we can recognize as a friend What stage do you think I'm in right now? If I'm in preparation or action, oh man, that's the those are the stages I love. I can like hand you this brochure and get you this website. But if I'm in pre-contemplation, how do I move my friend through a different stage? If you give up on her in pre-contemplation, she's lost. She's lost because you have brought to fruition his his lies. Uh, Also, we need to know that it's not always uh, sequential. I may take a step forward and one back. I may take two steps forward and one back. But here's the deal. If you will, as a friend, if I as a professional will do what I'm supposed to do and you as her friend will do what you're supposed to do, if she goes back, she does not go all the way back to pre-contemplation. She's already in the game. She's in the game. She's in the game. So the other thing we kind of touched on was um, we had a chat, a big chat the other day here in the office about, you know, he says he can change but can he? Right. Okay. So, yes. yes. And this is the classic. Yeah. So the important, th- and he promises he will because he's in that honeymoon he won't phase. Go, he won't do that again. Go to church with you. I'll pick up the kids after school. We'll yeah. get a Christian workbook. We can, and I've heard all of these, right? But the thing about it is, it's not about can he change? He probably can, but the question should be, will he? So an abuser abuses because of a, uh, a very deep-rooted belief system that he is entitled to have whatever he wants when he wants it, okay? I am entitled to be in power. I have the power and the control in this relationship. And number two is it's her responsibility 
to make that happen. And number three is if she doesn't, then he is not only has the opportunity, but the obligation to hurt her and make her pay for the fact that there wasn't gas in the car. So he has, let's think about that. He has a deep-rooted belief. Because I'm thinking as a mom, I have four boys. Right? Yes. How do you raise gentle men? Well, how am I training them that they aren't? I mean, this is an entitled... This is an Nation. entitled world, yes. They go to exactly. the, they're entitled to a toy from the dentist. They're and entitled we to cheer a, them on the football field yeah, and girls yeah. are their football girls and put cookies in their lockers and on and on and on. Yes. So we how do these I men. not yes. and that's where my brain is. I hear like, you. Where I we hear you. The curriculum. Yes. Are y'all creating the curriculum that I can then <laughs> right. keep the abusers we from are becoming trying. abusers? That's okay. for sure. So that's the number sure. one is they're entitled He's to what entitled they to want when they when they want. So the the scenario of the husband in the car who was driving to Houston to see the grandkiddos, he was entitled to come and go as he pleased, that everything, everything would be, would be prepared ready. for him okay. without a hitch. The fact that he had to stop for gas, it was her fault that he had to stop, and he was able to punish her because she didn't do what he wanted. He could berate her, he could belittle her, um, and he could use as his choice of weapon the thing that is the most important to her, whether that is my faith or my children or my role as a mom, that will become his choice of weapon. Um, but even when she tries to uh, say, oh, honey, yeah, that shell station, yeah, they, they're terrible there, but there's an Exxon right across the street, you need to shut up and be quiet. You're disrespectful. You interrupt you me. You don't know about. what you're talking about. So all of a sudden, the conversation, as I say, there was a sleight of hand that becomes about me and my I'm disrespectful as opposed to we need some gas in the car. Bottom line, we need to, if we're going to Houston, we got to get some gas, period. Right. There's a problem. There's a problem. So, But it be, but. Like you had mentioned with the dog example versus this travel example, the focus gets off the problem. Absolutely. And the person becomes the problem. Absolutely. And then that person is attacked. And okay. sometimes it's you're fat and you're stupid and you're ugly, but it, it can also be what's important to me. Um, oh, you're going to that Bible study again, or you're going to your mom's house. She needs to butt out of our business. And my mom is my best friend and my only anchor, and he will charge me with that, right? Whatever is important my to pets, you. My pets, it could be, yeah. you know, we or hear... Or this book club. This book this club. club in your one example with the, the landscaping. It yes. It's more about not caring what's important to her exactly and seeing her not as caring a what's important to her yes and maybe those friends in that book club are her only lifeline maybe he she's never allowed out or without him or has to account for every minute but here is even though they may not know it and may not recognize it the police officer didn't recognize it i don't give out landscaping advice well is that what we're saying to her in a million different ways we don't give you any landscaping advice we need to figure out if i'm concerned about this and i think if we just open the window just just a little bit um, and let her know we do hear her, believe her, and will help her, that she will open up and take another step and another step. I'm just thinking of the cultural messages in the church even of, um, I'm going to say a trigger word. Come on. Submit. Submit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that our role is to serve and Jesus served and college I went to, it's to be a servant leader mm-hmm. and to put others needs before yep. your own. Yep. And yep. so all of these Christian values, yes. which I'm still about. Yes. No, I hear you. But Jesus loved the woman. He never treated yeah. a woman without respect and honor. In fact, and raised up dignity. women yeah. in his ministry oh, yeah. more than anyone, right? Yeah, we just read yeah. the story in Acts last night at this group of Lydia. I mean, uh-huh, uh-huh. exactly. We why, find- why do we need to include Lydia? in a society right. that didn't value women. Right, women. right, because he did. Because he did. Um, we hear so often that women it, who are very, very steeped in their faith, it's very important to them, uh, and in a faith community, are less likely to tell, they're less likely to uh, seek help, least likely to get out, and do not usually access uh, secular organizations like Genesis. Um, many will go to their faith leaders and hear messages like submit, only they don't read on down the rest of the chapter where it says husbands love your wives like the church. Like or Christ they, loved the church, which is to give his life husband, yes, exactly. for the church. Yeah. And then uh, they say, well, you're not a Proverbs 31 wife. Well, I don't know. You've probably read it, but I had to look it up. But Proverbs 31 is about a queen. You start If you start at verse 11, then it is, you know, be a good wife and cook and clean and have babies and be a pillar in your community. But if you start at verse 1, the queen is saying to her son, quit your drinking and quit your messing around and find you a good woman who will cook and clean and be a pillar in the community. And it's her lifetime. It's her whole life 
Yes. It's not a moment. Yes. She's not doing all those things. You didn't in clean one the time. house yeah. enough. But I hear women come here crying at Genesis because they could not be a good enough Proverbs thirty one. And wife. the word that is used is a woman of valor. Right. Which is a warrior term, which right. is not a weak right. Woman not a weak who's woman, yes. Serving. I was just in Latin America in Mexico and met with a group that is training young girls in emotional language because there's a culture of that they don't even know what they're feeling. They're kind of told what to feel. Mm-hmm. And then boundaries, natural boundaries, you can't come right. this close to me. You don't get you don't have permission mm-hmm. to touch me unless I give the permission. Right. But natural boundary language and emotional language and great. even just what is not okay and what's okay, I think even in this conversation of domestic violence when we're saying your two examples of this scenario with the dog and this scenario with the trip and this mindset of the husband is I get what I want when I want I get to treat you my question that came up to my mind was what is he getting out of this like what is reinforcing him to continue because most negative behaviors are reinforced somehow so how what is he getting the negative behavior the the yes actually the control is one thing but listen to this if every time i fry chicken my husband hits me what am i going to do stop frying i'm going to quit frying chicken so that negative reinforcement perpetuates that abuse i guess that's what i got to do to get a tank of gas in the car or i don't like fried chicken so it works that's the problem his behavior works, and that is what perpetuates that. Does that make sense? Yeah, so then the training, once she removes herself from that abuse, is to become a person who doesn't stand for that treatment anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Fry your own, you know, cook your own dinner. I mean, uh, my husband would be pleased with a sandwich at this point in our life. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? And that's a that's a normal relationship. We both work. We're both scrambling home. Are you picking up pizza? That's a normal relationship. But unfortunately, you were talking about the boundaries. Those boundaries are the same here in the United States, and they have been destroyed by someone. Now, it's possible they were destroyed very young. A lot of the women we see here are adult survivors of incest or sexual assault that have continued that script of victimization. And so if those boundaries have already been assaulted or or we have not talked to our children about well, what are healthy boundaries. I had someone reach out to me that that's what they wanted me to ask you and I almost forgot. So I'm so glad about you brought healthy up. Boundaries? Well, just how do we know if our child is being sexually abused? Yeah. It kind of came up, it's you know, really Mary Flo Ridley from uh-huh. Dallas. She, uh-huh. was a, yeah. she was a junior leaguer who yeah. ended up in her ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, we just kind of mentioned, we were talking about masturbation and that sometimes, I know, aren't you glad that I didn't call about that? <laughs> yes. um, but sometimes children can because of, as a sign of sexual right. abuse, and we just right. kind of hinted at it, and someone reached out and said, I'd love just a little more insight on as a parent, what are some red flags yeah. that we know abuse is going on? Right. Unfortunately, it's really tricky, uh, particularly with our teens, because they're at a time in their life where they pretty much think parents are useless anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And if, in fact, they have this secret with this, boyfriend and he is abusive, they're more likely to tell a friend than they are to tell their parents. And uh, what we do as parents is all almost create sort of Romeo and Juliet-esque star-crossed lovers. Everybody's against us. I don't want you seeing him. Don't go out with him. I don't like him. I don't know what it is about him, but I don't want you seeing him. Instead of just listening, just listening and saying, you know what? It sounds like you guys are not happy as you used to be together. Um, or so you almost have to move that child from a pre-contemplative. Absolutely. Like I'm absolutely. thinking of your stages. If yes. you come in with action and it's absolutely, you can't see absolutely. Them. Yeah. So um, right, you so you're can kind of engaging their mind and asking. But if you stand up and say you are yeah. grounded from seeing him, let me tell you, as a parent who has come out the other side of that, that is the worst thing you can do because they'll sneak out. I'm over at Mary Ellen's house and I'm going to spend the night there, but she's actually out with this guy. We're not half as smart as our teenagers Mm. are. And so when it comes to being conniving, I think. uh, So I think what we have to do is ask the questions and just shut our mouths and listen. My daughter was in high school and she came home and she'd gone, gone with this boy for you know, a Bennett for two weeks or something. And she came in and she said, I think I'm going to break up with him. Now, look what I do for a living. And you know what came out of my mouth? I think my uterus like <laughs> took over my brain. And I said, oh, honey, he is so darling. And I think, you know, I think he's going to be a doctor. I heard he got accepted to you. I mean, I just rolled on with this stupid right. stuff. But there's this thing in us moms that we want the good guys. Yes, we right? want the good story. And he seems I'm, like I such a, a nice parent. boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a good parent. And he's a yeah, popular guy. And yeah. the moms, the parents are friends of ours. Well, she goes in her room and slams the door and doesn't really speak to me for two weeks. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It wasn't abusive. It was not. She was just moving on after two weeks. 
But what if it had been? And I wasn't mm. ready to listen. Mm. I had, My mouth was going faster than my brain, and I should have said, tell me why it is you want to break up with Tell me more about Bennett. why. Tell me, you, tell yeah. me more about that. Because, mm. you know, I've seen you, you know, not, not as happy. Or um, tell me about what that relationship looks like that you would want to leave that behind. Um, okay, well, we've done our 45 minutes. Oh, no, it can't be. I know. <laughs> I know I want so much more, but I'm thankful that I can point people to your site and that I can, we'll connect them with a national hotline. Is there an international hotline? Uh, The national hotline can refer on to anybody, any any country. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, The the resources are obviously limited in other parts of the world. In all of Russia, there is a shelter in St. Petersburg. I mean, period. The whole The only one I've seen, yes. One shelter and with six beds. So we're... With six beds. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like um, that, so that can't be the only answer. This non-residential, this going to a friend, this going to the church. And if we're all saying the same message, we can walk beside her. Shelter is not the only answer. I feel like one thing that's still left out there that we have to wrap up before I get let you go is this Christian message that we need to serve and love and let it go and just put our needs aside for the benefit of others. What do we tell her when she's thinking that, feeling that, yeah. and she's being abused, whether it's emotionally, yeah. verbally, physically? I think God hates divorce. I know he hates abuse even worse. I think this makes God cry, that women are not allowed to be the full, live the fullest life that they can do it. We can serve others, but that doesn't mean at the risk of our own bodies and souls and our children's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like that's not the plan that he has for us. I, do, mm-hmm. I serve every day. You're serving right now. Yeah. I don't think that's at the expense it's just interesting the that abuse, the enemy yeah. would use. I mean, he did it with Jesus. He used God's word to tempt Jesus. Uh, right. So right, he's right, going right. to use even right, the good right, intentions right, 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 to right, keep right. us from the healing. That and especially comes. if that's important to me, that will yeah. become the enemy's choice of weapon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't serve enough. You don't pray enough. You're not good enough. If you would yeah. be, a, if you would read a different book, yep. or if yep. you would fix, if you would be everything yes. he's asking you to be, then I wouldn't have to do this yeah. to you. And that's that's just not right. It will not stop until he stops it. Mm. So if you or someone you know needs help, the Genesis hotline is answered 24 hours a day at 1-214-946-HELP, 946-HELP. There's also a national domestic violence hotline, 1-800-799-SAFE. I invite your listeners to go to our website, www.genesisshelter.org. When I was in Mexico, they told us that the number three cause of death was femicide, women being killed because they were women, not because they'd done anything wrong or that there was a actual law that had been broken, but because they had simply been born one gender. I also have seen a documentary called It's a Girl, which covers the fact that in so many countries, babies are killed simply because they are born girls. I heard a story in Mexico, where a woman told a police officer that her husband had abused her. And instead of believing her and taking action, he said, well, you must have done something wrong. And she said uh, his food wasn't warm when he got home. And he said the police officer told her, well, that is your job. And you made a mistake. And so he gave her a consequence of sweeping the entire community, which then communicates to that community, don't speak up or else this will happen to you as well. I'm telling you these stories so we can have our eyes open a little bit to the reality for so many. It doesn't have to be in another country. It can be here. And I love that Jan shared some higher socioeconomic status abuse scenarios so that we can recognize God sees us all as image bearers. And I want to help you see yourself as God sees you. And so that's why we each are seeking God in our own scenarios and we're needing his help to guide us in next steps. And if you need wisdom or you just need to talk to someone, that's why we have these hotlines. If you're sorting through and you're this conversation moved you into the contemplation stage and you're wondering, Am I safe? 
then I would really, really encourage you to call either a shelter in your community or that that hotline. Talk to someone. That's my hope. My whole goal in having these conversations, taking the time to record them and publish them is to get people talking because nothing happens if we do nothing. So the first step is always talking to God, seeking his guidance, but talk to someone, share with someone safe. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. Holy Spirit, I know that you are here because you are the wound healer. You see brokenness and you are not turning a blind eye to all of the pain in this world. And I thank you, God, that over and over and over again in your word, we see you caring for the outcast, lifting up the one who has been mistreated, bringing honor to those who have been dishonored, whether it was a leper or whether it was a widow or whether it was a tax collector, or whether it was a prostitute that you over and over and over again are going outside to bring in those who feel unseen, unloved, unheard. And I pray, Lord, that you would embolden whoever is listening, who's feeling cast aside, who's feeling unloved, that she or he can be made aware of your endless love for them, that you would fill them with the strength that comes from you to be the whole and free follower of you to go and do the things that you have set for them to do outside of their life, to continue to spread the good news and to love someone else who is in a broken place. It is for freedom that we have been set free, Lord. And I pray that over everyone listening, that they can continue to pursue the wholeness that you have set aside for them. Thank you, God, that we can align our hearts with you, that we can follow in your way, that we can listen, God, for your guidance. And I pray that if there are any women listening who are burdened for a friend, feeling helpless, not knowing what steps to do, that you would give her the discernment and the wisdom to know what to do next, how to help best, to not give up on her friend, strengthen her to be the encourager and the comforter through you, God. Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Thank you to everyone who chose to stay connected to me through email. If you haven't signed up to get a weekly email from me that gives you the latest podcast episode and what's going on, just go to olaheather.com. It's Ola with an H like Heather, H-O-L-A, heather.com. And you can just put your email address in. And then on Monday, you'll get a note from me with whatever's going on with me and any of my favorite things and and the latest episode uh, with a link to the show notes. I really, truly appreciate y'all for listening and working through these hard things, especially in May. I mean, we just need something light, right? But so many are burdened by a lot and and y'all are asking me for help in those situations. So thank you for trusting me. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, While you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.